Manor. Hello, welcome to Tip Manor Podcast. This episode eight of the season. Uh, we're back again, James, Jack, and John. Uh, what we're doing today, we've got stadium chat and talk a bit about the transfer window. We've got Arsenal and Fleetwood to talk about, and then we've got previews for Ipswich and Wickham. John, how you doing? Good. I'm still chuckling at your attempted opening salvo of the pod that we just re-recorded. Oh, we, no, no one needs to know about that. That's fine. To the, I was. Um, did any of you just see that clip of uh, match of the FA Cup Wolves Liverpool uh, coverage, which I'm sure has gone viral by the point we um, by the point this this pod goes out. But it was. I, I I don't think I could deal with that type of pressure even doing a podcast. Jack, do you reckon you could? Uh, no, but, but I, I couldn't tell if the people in the studio could hear it or not. Yeah, yeah, they, no, could, they could. Yeah. yeah, they were mega distracted. I was wondering if it, it whether it was Paul Lintz's or Danny Murphy's ringtone, and I couldn't quite pinpoint which one it was. But if you don't know what we're talking about, just I don't know what you should search on Twitter, but you'll I'm sure you'll find it. Just put FA Cup noises. There you go. Right, um, straight into news. Um, before we get onto the stadium, I I don't understand this burger stuff from the Arsenal game. I didn't want to wait until the Arsenal game to talk about it, but like, a the the burger wasn't that bad, and b the guy reacted <laughs> so strongly to remove it off sale, which caused the reaction. But it was still going on, wasn't it, John? I remember you said Burger Gate wasn't dead at one point. I it spiraled out of control for another reason. I can't, I can't remember why, but no, I know what you mean. I thought like it had real cheese on it. It wasn't like some of that sort of horrible orange stuff. It was for a football burger. Seemed far worse. Nobody's, nobody in their right mind would claim it was like, you know, ultimate cuisine or anything. But yeah, they just sort of shot themselves in the foot by just fanning the flame a bit. No pun intended. <laughs> it seemed to take some, some more of the PR. Up. Like there was more PR about that than there was about the bloody stadium um, after the game. Um, I remember I was saying this in one of the WhatsApp groups, but I remember going to I swear it was Stockport, and all they were serving was mash and condiments, and I've never known <laughs> just boxes of mash. And it was I just think you know people they, seem so entitled as these the snowflakes or did they scoop know, scoop a hole out of the middle honestly, and put some gravy in it? It was just slop in a box with, and you put like ketchup. It was horrible, but you ate it. I don't know. Jack, can you can you beat mash in a box? Um, no, I don't tend to get stuff in football grounds. To be fair, for that that reason. Okay, fair. Um, other stuff in the news. There was the Kieran Brown betting stuff off the back of the Arsenal game. I don't know, Jack, what you what you made about this the odds i think the main thing is that the eight to one odds were just absolutely bizarre considering it was kind of saka that he was going to be up against all night well yeah and i think i think we discussed whilst watching the fleetwood game that he was the same odds to get booked as javan anderson and javan anderson's been booked something like seven times in 10 years during his career so if anything it was just a, a bookie mistake for not understanding lower league football which is often the way um but it seems to have gone quiet again, I, I suppose, because the investigation is live. But I'd be surprised if anything comes from it. I think it was potentially someone mucking about a little bit by tweeting something. I don't think people are that stupid if it was genuine. Yeah, I thought the only message I saw was in like a screenshot from a a chat, as if it was like a WhatsApp chat type thing or texts. But I, th- I think there was just, there were loads of different versions of it, and I mean. I just kind of assumed because he started against Fleetwood that, all right, KR might not have wanted to draw attention to it even more, but somebody yeah. must have sat him down and gone, did you do this? And if he's gone, no, then it's perfectly fair to start him. Um, so you just kind of assume that it, it just feels a bit more like he's might have joked to someone, oh, I'm up against Saka, I'm definitely going to get booked. Yeah. But even then, that's how that ends up with some screenshots of like people saying, always oh, told us he's getting booked. He's, he's still a bit like far-fetched. So, yeah, it's, it's sort of the way KR's spoken about it as well kind of suggests that he's not worried about it, he says now. <laughs> didn't, he, uh, didn't he do that thing where he said, 
before pre-game Fleetwood. <laughs> yeah. Making no comments whatsoever. No comments will be made. Then after the game, he's just all over it. Um, I don't it was know. probably like, oh, he's just been, it's been such a terrible week for him, treated so so badly. Um, yeah. Um, right, stadium stuff. Then it's it's obviously a very important time for for the club. We talked about it on the last pod, but there's um, still time to write to write into your um, local council. I think if you go on the Oxfox website, all the details are there. I found I refound Trevor Lambert's um, original kind of petition that's heading towards the target eight thousand signatures as well. So I'm sure if you sign sign or sorry search for that, you'll be able to find that. Um, Obviously, there was the banner at the the Arsenal game as well, which was great to see. And did you guys see the FAQ sheet that um, Oxfox put out? I thought that read quite well because it was kind of written in a bit more of a colloquial tone, uh, as in it's not written to be overly formal. It's more just addressing, you know, some key points uh, that you should be aware of. But any comments on that? No, I thought it was a good piece. It it didn't go too much into detail. It kept it quite layman's terms for everyone to understand. Um, and I think, to be fair, the amount of effort that Oxfox have put in to, you know, they are separate from the club. They are not the voice of the club. They are the voice of the supporters. So it's good that they're being so kind of loud with their information. It is, um, jumping back to the, the banner point, and we'll probably talk about this when we talk about Arsenal, but it was really good to see it come out quite prominently in the some of the media coverage, certainly the piece in the Times and the Telegraph, the sort of more in-depth stuff, but it had clearly filtered through and obviously we're, we'd no doubt be briefing into those journalists how important it was, but even so, it's still got to get through and it the way it was written up got across the importance of it, um, which I thought was really encouraging. Yeah, I thought the um, I forget her name now there's someone from the Oxford supporters panel that went on, wasn't at the game, um, but she spoke really well. But she she referred to, um, I guess, the decision. Is it next? What is it, a week? Is it a week today? Yeah, it's night of the Wickham game or well, day of the Wickham game. game. Um, but she said it's the kind of the biggest moment in the club's history to to an extent. Do you go along with that, Jack? There's obviously been prior times with the Kassam taking over situation where we thought we were in trouble. but I, th- I think this whole process will see a number of um, moments described as the biggest moment because obviously this is only the first step. Just because we get negotiations to get a lease doesn't mean we're getting a ground. Um, so this is, you know, the first big moment in our history of many that will come this year, I think. And this is this is dis- an agreement to enter into discussions before voting on that agreement before then going into planning. So, yeah, yeah it, she's not wrong. It's absolutely not wrong to talk about it in, in the enormity of it. But as the council said in their statements, they're very clear about setting out what this means at this stage. And I think that's why the club have gone so strongly in their statements to try and get that speed point across because this is only... This is still really an early stage and it's still going to be three, four months or whatever before we get to the, well, we've actually ironed out the details of said potential lease and the like. That was it, wasn't it? I was just reading through the Nam Williams or Mr. Mac um, comments and I thought it was worded really well, wasn't it? It's just, it's basically saying really happy to be working with them, but we as a club have just done absolutely everything by the letter of the law. And it, that was kind of emphasised with that ridiculous, well, not ridiculous, but 160-odd page dossier or whatever it was. But you see the level of effort that's gone in to make sure they're covering absolutely every everything, like no stone left unturned to make sure they're satisfying requirements. So you can see an element of frustration, can't you, in that they've done absolutely everything and they just need the council to, you know, understand the significance of this moving on quickly. So, yeah. I thought the the words were and the interview was really, really good. I think it's it's kind of saying to the council like, yes, the time it's taken has kind of given you the space to show consideration of all aspects. It's not sort of going too quickly on things, and it is they've got to do things in the right way. And I I'm all for the council sticking strong to their point around. It's got to meet 
the objectives we set out about being certain sustainability criteria, you know, protecting green spaces and all that. But this comes down to this isn't this isn't like get planning over the line. This is yeah get something that's been talked about for probably two years informally and formally. Done. It's just going to be interesting to see what thresholds they have for all of those different criteria for all the you know sustainability. What's what, where's the threshold of where you have to hit, and then where's the next one around green the green belt conversation and where's the next and that's the thing isn't it where you get to the proper planning where it's going to be interesting but um the the interesting thing was that the the city council's cabinet it sounds like it's it's not leaked as such but radio oxford went on their twitter to say they've already kind of confirmed that we should be able to progress through unless i'm reading it long wrong with the triangle in terms of getting to that next stage is that so the council the council officers have recommended that we proceed with the triangle and that we don't do anything further with the wider or the other Stratfield break. So they've made that recommendation to the cabinet members who are the local councillors. So it's their recommendation that they should approve this next stage of what we're we're talking about. That, to yeah. my understanding, that generally is... Generally, the councillors don't tend to go against officer recommendations. They can absolutely do that and they can absolutely ask other questions. But more often than not, they don't tend to go against that. I mean, I'm not a planning person, but I think I think that's right. Um, it's, it's interesting as to whether people were then straight on Twitter again, drawing triangles and getting to scale <laughs> models back in that, that gap. And someone whacked a fourth stand that replicated the East Stand at the CASAM on there and try to turn it you know vertically horizontally (laughs) diagonally um it it looks obviously tight in terms of then when you think about all the other things around the community parts maybe the ice rink or leisure complex or hotels and fan park and it does start to you do start to wonder whether that as as it looks today the triangle is able to to cope with all of that there's definitely you know it depends i don't don't think i think it won't but I um I drove past it the other day whilst I continued my whole what's the difference between that side of the road and this side of the road thing. I would get more excited about the fact that it will that whole it will be like right next to the train station. And it made me think about if you get the train to Ipswich, if you go into Ipswich, you come out of the stadium and you instantly see the football ground and it's much further away than just walking over one road. But you instantly get excited. And you instantly get into that zone. So for me, actually, I was getting quite excited about that thought of like, get off the train, you see the stadium. It's not really kind of what we're really talking about in terms of the wider benefits we could have had and may yet have down the line. But what one thing I would say from forcing the Kassam onto the triangle that everyone's been doing, you would hope that any new stadium has the stands a lot close to the pitch. If you think how yeah. far back the stands are and then the kind of concrete bit in front of them and then the fencing, etc. I think a clever stadium build can get a lot out of that space. And you've seen it more recently with like Brentford's tried their own triangle, how they've squeezed the ground on and there's flats on there as well. You, I think. Want, you want to be as close to the pitch. like Yeah, exactly. Not, 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 you know, like it's what the brilliance of the manor was obviously not quite as a manner where you could literally reach out and grab the winger but like near enough and then i guess the the steepness of the stands maybe you lump more people in one main stand to get the capacity in a a decent spot you don't want like a crew alexandra style stand Mm. do you where (laughs) but yeah i think um you're right i'm sure they would take the space into account for some creative designs so long as i can't peek a bowlplex through like a corner of the stand off feel all right but people are also saying you know the the land underneath the triangle there's still i forget who they said owned that maybe it was the university wasn't it um but maybe that there is something in that as well um down, I on- down the line you like I say these things happen in phases um because there's that is the other it's not really our problem per se if we're still going to end up with a new stadium but if you think about the appetite from the owners for the scale of investment they want to put in if you say to them you can still have your stadium and maybe a hotel in it and stuff but you can't have the other bits you wanted to do does that dampen their 
general investment appetite moving forward. And that's the sort of the downside means that it's why it's all kind of a bit random because you don't get any of the community stuff. You don't get any of the wider stuff. You just get a football stadium. Yeah. But well, that's not, but that's, you know, for as fans purely of Ox, just thinking with Ox and Night hat on, great. Um, we can get an exciting stadium in there. And that's definitely the way it's, it's going on next Tuesday. It's a public meeting, isn't it, next Tuesday? Does that mean you can stream it? Tune in? I'm curious. Yeah, you should be able to. You'll be able to hear some uh, ridiculous statements from various people like, uh, I've forgotten his name already, but I'm just, there'll be some stuff like that that will, you know, be hard to hear because anyone can request to speak, I think. Yeah. Okay. Um, fingers crossed. And yeah, let's hope we have good news going into the the Wickham game next Tuesday. Um, transfer window. Brandon Fleming, Jack, seemed to come out of nowhere, at least for me. Did, did you know of him before? But the, the positive thing was that the Hull fans... The reaction was, you know, why is he going to Oxford? He's too good to for Oxford, etc., cetera, etc., cetera, which is always a, a positive. Yeah, I think the the actual signing came from nowhere. There was there appeared to be no whispers at either end prior to the announcement, which is I always quite like those signings better when they come from nowhere. You feel they're I don't know, they just feel more exciting almost. Yeah, well, um, some signings used to be like for <laughs> this whole like in the know stuff, and everyone like, yeah. And then I think, yeah, from a few friends I've still got in Hull, they they like him. They're surprised. They were happy to kind of dispense of him for half a season. But um, I think he's definitely got a future there based on his contract length. But you never know if he gets in our side and plays well and likes it. You never know what could happen in the summer. But we needed a left back. He can play as a wing back as well. So I think that definitely is a big tick for this window. How do you think he actually gets in the team, though? Because... I can understand Kieran Brown side stuff happening at the moment that even with that and how he's performed, you, you have a bit of loyalty before you take him out of the side. But I don't like we do need to play him because he's clearly gonna be the that step up in attacking from fullback, which even Kieran Brown has acknowledged he needs to kind of improve on. But on the other side, yeah, I don't know how how do you think we get him in the team though? I I wonder if there's an eye on a although actually the Fleetwood game kind of contradicts his point straight away. But there's games where we expect to be a bit more under the cost from... Yeah, exactly. Yeah, so, you know, Wickham, for example, you might play a five, play Fleming as a wing-back and put Brown inside to deal with long balls. Or but, you might you might put Sam Long back at right-back, put Brown next to yeah, Moore. I think, have, I, I think it gives yeah. a lot more options of how we could play rather than where we were before, which is basically we have to play a four and Sam Long can cover anywhere if necessary. Um, I think the option to play proper wing-backs, Javin Anderson obviously is very much a wing-back rather than a full-back. Because um, to have a left-footed one as well, I think it, it's nice to have options. And, you know, if the season is kind of looking like it may peter out, we can at least try things ahead of next year. Yeah. It is. It has made a massive difference, though, when you look at our back line straight away. We've just come up with two or three options instantly, haven't we? About how you can mix it up, but it'll be, it'll be interesting to see. It'd be nice to, for like, well, I think Wickham's a really good example where you probably could potentially say, "Sod it, let's just try a, a five because passing in that game is going to be minimal." <laughs> um, I don't see how you would be able to do much around. Like KR in one of the pre-Arsenal game pieces talked about Josh Murphy and how he wants to sort of really build things around him. It's hard to get a lot of these wingers and players into that five at the back structure, but that's not to say for the odd game or switching to it during a game and actually having the players to play it is is the benefit. We clearly haven't worked on playing it for any time whatsoever, but yeah. I'm all for having the option. So the the third signing of the January window was, and this is a Nick Harris special, isn't it? Teddy Mafuni, M-F-U-N-I, from Warrington Town. So 18-year-old centre-back. I heard his interview and he sounded a lot older than 18 and seemed to have a lot more. um, Just sounded experienced, really focused on what he wants to do and achieve. So it's going to be interesting to see um, how close he is to 
getting some game time or whether he's going to be kind of out on loan for the rest of the season. But with an 18-month deal, maybe it's more about him proving his worth in training and everything else so they can see the potential there. I, I imagine it's probably almost like a long trial because he's yeah. still only going to be, what, 19 pushing 20 by the time that deal finishes. So, you know, he's not even doesn't even need to have completely proven himself by the end of this 18 months. Um, I think in times gone by, it's the kind of sign that we probably wouldn't have announced. He'd have just gone in, trained a bit with the first team squad, got a loan. Similar to the kind of first year pro deals that we give out sometimes that, you know, someone like Will Owens at the minute gets nowhere near the first team squad, keeps getting loaned out. Um, but it's nice that we're, you know, we're looking in the non-leagues um, and you never know, you might, you might pull a gem out of there. Yeah. Um, KR said we're nowhere near signing a striker before the Fleetwood game. People buying into that? Is, Bull- is Bulldog completely cropped forever? Is there any date on his return? He's, he's on the grass, is all they keep saying, but that doesn't really grass. mean anything. It means he could be lied down on the grass in pain. He could be. <laughs> he's, he's just started a two-year sports directorship course, though, so he's planning for the end of his career, whenever that may be. Okay. And I saw one of you put Jack, or was it you to pop the link about Mason Burstow in there? Yeah, that's just a Chelsea podcast, but then one of the London papers seems to have a little snippet in it as well. Um, but I, d- I don't really understand that one because if we sign him, he's basically you know a slightly more experienced Odonka. So does Odonka then go out on loan? He wouldn't have both of them around, surely. So I don't know, not particularly enthused by that one. Yeah. But he's on Chelsea's books and he's scored against us um, in the paint pot surprise earlier this season. Um, yeah, it's interesting. I still I still am curious as to whether we'll go go to market for a striker. But he said is in like an experienced striker and not someone off the low market. I still think that's what we need. Like someone that's actually notched goals rather than someone that... You, you want someone to start, don't you? Like a starting striker. Yeah, well... <sighs> I think we're in a funny position now, though, because it's clear that the targets we've been looking at are kind of higher-ranked players who probably won't be interested in joining us when they look at the league table. So then do you reset and aim at kind of some lesser-ranked players, so to speak, just to get some bodies in because you want to sign someone or do you just say, you know what, we'll stick with what we've got, get through to the summer and go properly then? Because otherwise you can end up signing a few kind of plan B options on a longer term deal. You get to the summer and you've got less wiggle room in the I, summer. I swear though, we always get to the summer and it's exactly the same. It is. But uh, the that's, that's, that's I can't remember, can't remember the, the contract situation with the squad as to how many outer contracts we'll have. I don't think it's that many. Taylor, Messino, maybe, but there's quite a lot under contract for next season already. And you're thinking if you add more now, there's very little wiggle room in the summer. I, I don't think there's any. There's Taylor's definitely, but if you think across the general first team, I don't think there's actually many at all. What are you um, thinking, John, in terms of striker, though? Do you think we need a sure starter type person with experience and football league goals and? Every, yeah, I'd be mean, ideally you want someone who's, you know, it's Taylor or and there's not much between them. Uh, it feels like we're heading towards the the lottery of what gets played out in the last week, and it will be come down to that who becomes available as Kr likes to to talk about. Obviously, we don't know what's going on behind the scenes. Um, I think as well, I, and again, when who are we to know? But it seems like any talk of a potential midfielder is non-existent or is just not really something we're, we've even yeah. sort of touched on, which, all right, it's not essential, but I, I definitely think it's something that would would help. It just feels different, doesn't it, though? The, we'll get to, obviously, the games, but the, the 11 and then the bench that we had at Fleetwood suddenly just felt very, very different. Like with Bowden and Joseph and the people that were even starting on the wings and everything, it just felt like a completely different setup. Didn't reflect very well. <laughs> anyway, um, let's go on to Arsenal first. 
Um, yeah, there was loads of good media stuff coming out about the club. And yeah, as it says here, lots of KR-based press as well. Um, in the he, knows, he knows what he's doing. I'm, I'm, yeah. It sounds really facetious and I'm not being <laughs> I'm not being a dick deliberately. Um, but he definitely knows what he's doing. But, but it sells the club and that's, you know, he is the focal point. So I'm, I'm yeah, being unnecessary. Yeah. Um, harsh, but I liked, I liked the way we, that it comes across that we're, you know, a very serious club doing things in, in the right way. Um, you know, the way we sort of prepped for the Arsenal game all made sense. I mean, it's, I guess it's the same tactics against Arsenal for the last 20 years, which is send them wide and there's no one in there for them to cross to. But, but even so, it, it sort of, it just all made sort of sense. Um, the top 30 comment was in the Telegraph one, which I cringed over, but it is what it is and it's out there. So, I thought though, um, first half, we were it was really competitive, wasn't it? We didn't really create anything, which was a bit of a shame, but we made them look pretty average after the first 10 minutes and they weren't breaking through and creating clear-cut chances or anything else like that. So half-time, I felt that kind of sick, nervous feeling like, well, that was okay. Can we do that again and head back to the, the Emirates for a, for a nice kind of replay and payday? But Jack, it kind of fell away, didn't it? Second half. Yeah, it it felt as if we couldn't quite decide whether we were going to take it to them a little bit because we'd been, as you say, fairly comfortable in the first half or whether we were just completely terrified of what would happen if we did do that. Um, I think it was, what, about an hour um, and they got a dodgy free kick. I mean, that's the most frustrating thing for me is that the one time they went close really was from what was really a lower league goal. Um, yeah. You know, a free kick into the box. Yes, it was a good cross, but there was a bit of blocking on more. Long got pushed out of the way. It was a very kind of lower league um, set piece goal. And I think the second goal coming so quickly after just took you know the wind out of the sails completely. And you know, I came away quite frustrated because at fifty five minutes, you're thinking, okay, it's nil nil here. Arsenal are getting a bit tetchy. Matty Taylor broke, broken through as well, yeah, didn't he? Yeah, exactly. And it's just yeah. not fast enough to get on the end of it. But I think another player might might well have got the ball around the keeper there. Did you see the picture of Matty Taylor with um, goal written on the soles of his feet? <laughs> what? So it was in the one of the pieces and like there was a picture and I'm pretty sure it was Matt Taylor. And it's him. He's obviously lying on like a physio bench and you can see the soles of his feet and he's got written goal on each of his <laughs> soles of his feet. I don't know whether it would have been, it was a posed picture and they were like, oh, could you do that? That'd be funny. Or whether he actually does that. But um, maybe he's getting that desperate <laughs> for a goal. Goal. Um, goal. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. After that, I kind of switched off a little bit and um, it didn't feel like there was we were getting back in it. But yeah, I still thought all in all, it was it was pretty positive. I think um, the only frustrating part after eventually losing 3-0 is that we didn't create... You know where we played City in the League Cup? We we actually had like 20 shots or something like that and endless corners and missed a bunch of chances and it just didn't feel like that we had the capacity to kind of take the game to them in that way. Even though I didn't think that they weren't putting out their stronger side, like their whole midfield was changed around, wasn't it? Shot, um, shots on target was like under five, wasn't it? So, yeah. yeah, and I enjoyed the um, KR commenting on Arteta on the touchline, trying to sort of imply he was getting all het up and <laughs> all that sort of stuff. There you go. But um, we move on to Fleetwood on Saturday. And we were. I, th- I remember saying before the game that this felt massive because... Jack, I think you put in the notes, you were obviously at the Arsenal game, but you were in the East Stand, you were feeling a little bit of the kind of KR out. There's some vocal fans around you, right? Yeah, I think I think we're in that place now as a fan base where there's a ever-growing number of people who are prepared to express vocally. Whether it ever gets to kind of chance or anything, I'm, I, I don't know. But it, yeah, exactly what you said, going into Fleetwood away, a place where we don't have much joy, and the general feeling around our league position, you just think this could be very ugly if it doesn't go our way. 
and yeah. at half time, um, I think we were all expecting that to be the case. Yeah, I I kind of almost lost the plot with that first half performance, but it's mainly because if you're KR, you're looking at the fixtures ahead, and you know you've got Ipswich, and then Wickham, um, and then you've got another couple of reasonably tough fix. Who is it after that? It's Bur- it, it, Burton after that. Yeah, Burton, then Barnsley on the Tuesday night. We're Saturday, Tuesday, Saturday, Tuesday, Saturday, Tuesday, aren't we? So it, it's kind of, especially if we lost or even only picked up a point at Fleetwood, which it wouldn't be the worst result, especially in the conditions. You've still got to go to play Ipswich and then go to Wickham. And, and get out of hand incredibly quickly it, it's in a, the next two weeks. I honestly thought, in my head, it was if we'd have lost, if, if they'd carried on that first half, and we'd have lost, then lost at home to Ipswich. I, I think um, everything would have been on that um, Wickham game in a way. Um, yeah. Anyway, but first half thoughts: we had Odonka starting in the middle. Um, it was the first time we'd seen Wildshut and Murphy, who had just been interchanging starting places, hadn't, hadn't they, on the pitch the last couple of weeks? I was, I was really excited when I saw that the standard three in midfield, and then. Defence as expected, with Eastwood coming back in in goal for McGinty. Start with McGinty. Do you guys think he's he actually ended up kind of doing all right? Bit crazy. Kr referred to him in the Arsenal build up as a loon uh, to the national media, <laughs> but um, I thought he kind of came across better by the end of his the the time on the pitch. I'm. Uh, I thought he yeah he seemed a bit more convincing. After a few games, I didn't feel, I guess I'm sort of tainted by what's come before a bit, but I didn't feel that there was a sort of huge kind of confidence side to it. Um, And then, but then you switch to the highs and lows of Simon Eastwood in the Fleetwood game and your mind wanders back to, well, what actually was McGinty doing all right by um, after a couple of games is my sitting on the fence answer. Jack, any build on that? I don't know. It feels like this is going to be a um, conversation that we have numerous times, I think, whilst Jack Stevens is still not around. I think we've got a recall him by the 20th if he was coming back, so we assume that's not going to happen. So I think one of the big conversations in the summer that the fan base will be having is who who is the number one for the first game next year? Because I can't... I don't think know, they're, at the, they're not at the club. Is what I would say. Well, I, and I yeah. think I think this is potentially where people's views are heading. That Eastwood, we've talked about him having credit, but he's definitely run out of credit now. That is goal he, is on Eastwood Saturday. Up? Is Eastwood's contract up at the end of this no, season? I've no, no, because he, si- he signed a long-term deal. Yeah, because like and we were all like thinking, "Oh, what a great backup!" <laughs> three, I swear, he signed like a three-year deal. Yeah, no, you're right. You're right. Yeah, I think him and Stevens are through to, to twenty-four, and McGinty a year longer. So, yeah, there's a, there's a decision to be made there because you can't keep all three of them. What did you think about starting Odonka, John, instead of Taylor? So he had a good week. He scored a couple in the FA Youth Cup. Well done uh, to the youth team, by the way. We should have mentioned that. That's it's really good. Who are they playing in the next round? Uh, Wimbledon or Leeds at home. That's it. So, yeah, let's let's hope they get through. Uh, I was surprised. Um Obviously, Taylor's struggling, but if you're going to play Yannick and Murphy, then that implies you're going to get a, a reasonably good final ball into the box from either side, and that's what Taylor needs, and that's why Taylor isn't really scoring, plus a little bit of other stuff. Um, I do think Odonka is growing on me from a perspective. He seems to have that sort of right place, right time striker quality whilst not having any any other attributes that are particularly sort of stand out but I th- I thought it was strange um, maybe the conditions played into it because I know, and I know he's not necessarily he's not mobile and rapid but maybe he thought well if it's just going to be a bit helter-skelter and it battering all over the place then maybe he's a bit more equipped for that but I was surprised especially when I saw the two wingers were starting that Taylor wasn't in the team yeah um, <clears throat> with Murphy and Wildshot, it just didn't work. I mean, you couldn't really work out what the conditions were doing to the quality of the game or individual performances, but I don't think either of them really 
had a sniff first half in terms of much possession, taking players on, getting balls in the box, and it was very much unlike. Um, who do we play at home when? Well, it was Exeter, wasn't it? When Wildshot was just ripping down the left first half. Um, but yeah, so expect more to come from those guys. Went in a half time though, and as we said. I think um, the Twitter, well, our Twitter was kind of exploding. The WhatsApp group was all over the place. Um, I honestly thought it was the beginning of the end for KR with that performance, given the lineup that was out there. But to to be fair to him, he's talked about the strength and depth in the squad and not having it, and it felt for the first time in a long time with um, players like Bowden and Joseph, and I forget who else came on in the end. Taylor came on, um, but. It does. It did really make a difference, and Bowden seemed to kind of be straight into things where he's struggled in re- recent weeks. And I still felt that Fleetwood were bossed the first ten fifteen of that second half as well. But then suddenly, when Joseph was on, it was just an individual moment of brilliance which just turned the tide. But we missed that, haven't we? Like when we saw Joseph away at Bolton, just surprised by his ability to kind of get round. He, do- he doesn't look like the quickest player, does he? But he seems to have this knack of really causing problems for their opposition. And that was just a great goal, wasn't it, Jack? I think, yeah, if anyone was going to score that goal, having looked at the starting lineup, you'd have thought it would come from a Murphy or a Wildshot because of the type of player they are. Um, but yeah, Joe, as you say, for quite a tall bloke, Joseph seems to have remarkable ability to keep the ball close and beat players as well. Um, I think he brings enthusiasm to the team as well. Whereas I think um, Wildshot and Murphy seem a little bit individual, a bit more head down. Yeah. Whereas Joseph, just I don't know, he just seems always looks a bit more aware, and he's a bit boundier and generally kind of. He's got an aura. Yeah, that's the good word. Um, I, but... I nearly I nearly lost it with um, Wildshot, and um, when I saw some of the bits from the first half, because when, as you someone's put in the notes, like there was lots of brave defending and good stuff, but there was for I think it's the chance where their, it came it was whipped over from the right and their striker heads it and Eastwood makes a really, really good save. Like their player has so much time to line up the cross and Wildshot just aimlessly sort of sticks his leg out to try and try and block it. And there was just stuff like that that was not good enough from from that side of their game as well. So it comes down to the whole we can't carry players like that. We're not we're not good enough to say, "Oh, you, you guys, just do what you want." Um, Did I, we, we? I didn't really emphasize enough. I know we mentioned the goalkeeping situation, but Eastwood did make two or three really good saves, and they Fleetwood created probably another two or three chances they should have converted, which they just kind of hit over or wide or whatever. There was definitely another chance that was harder to miss. I thought at one point. Um, so fair play to Eastwood, but it was just the goal, the type of goal that we conceded was consistent with what we've seen elsewhere this season, wasn't it? Kind of just a low, it wasn't even a strike, like it was like a side foot from the outside of the box. The, um, the thing is, it's, it's frustrating because he gets there, he gets down to it, he gets a hand on it, but his his it's almost like his reactionary stage where he's just got to ping up an arm or you know, throw a leg at it, have got better in the last couple of seasons. But the more those shots where he's got a bit of time to think about step, step, go down for it or dive straight away or whatever seem to be the ones that are going in. Almost like he's got a kind of confidence issue where he's thinking, oh, do I need to dive fully? Am I dropping on it? Am I trying to parry it? And then he does a bit of everything and they end up going in. Yeah. Um, so it is only 1-0 at half time and I was quite thankful for that even though the goal came relatively late McGuane came off at half time and then Bowden came on and we went to more of that 4-2-3-1 did they say whether McGuane had a knock after the game or whether it was like a tactical thing I don't think a knock's been mentioned I think it was just a bit of a roll of the dice which fair enough and I think Bowden looks much better in that kind of behind the striker role than he does anywhere else yeah, and I think and I think we need to massively play him more there. I, I mean, I, I I probably didn't watch it as intently as you guys because I got the sense McGuane wasn't having a particularly good game. He seemed to be losing out on a few tackles and sort of getting robbed in a few times. And it, 
this is the thing about him. He might be getting a bit knackered. And this is when you need to sort of be able to take him out of the team for a game like like Fleetwood. Um, but that there's definitely something still in that four two three one. It it seems to work. I don't know which midfielder you drop out of the three to make it happen. Um, but it does work on occasions. It definitely does. And it definitely did in that second half, even though the game was still relatively out of control for both teams. Yeah. Uh, I don't think Odin you can drop, good. I, I don't think you can drop eight, to be honest, of the three <laughs> based on current form. No. But... And you and you probably need McGuane because he is more physical. Um, Branning is not going and getting dropped. So it's kind of, yeah. But it it seems to work. Who would you drop, Jack, if you had to drop one of them at the moment? Based on the moment, you'd drop Brannigan. But as John said, he's not going to get dropped. But of the three, I think he's in the least form of the three. So, you know, that that that's the only rationale I could give. But I don't think that will happen. So I think it's a case of they'll make the change within the game to get that formation rather than starting with it. Yeah. Um it's going to be interesting to see if either against um, Ipswich or Wickham, whether we yeah try something a bit more creative, either with the kind of five at the back or whether we do the four two three one. There's different options now, isn't there? But for whatever reason, I just think it'll be four three three in both games. Um, Joseph, by the way, there there was chat on some of the the BBC coverage afterwards about you know do we need to be going in for him on a permanent basis? And they referenced uh, Swansea paying half a mil for his services and probably wanting at least their kind of their money back. It probably sounds about right, doesn't it? In terms of where he's at now, would you go yeah. for him? Because he's still only twenty twenty one, isn't he? So, I mean, we could if if as is said, we have a large budget. There's no problem in sticking a bid in and see what they say. I, I mean, I'd love to keep him beyond this season, whether it's permanently or on another loan. Um, I think he's been a really good player for us. Yeah, John, same. Yeah, I think it. I think it, it would. It would be who else would come in with him next summer as well. If he was like the marquee signing of the summer, that doesn't have a quite a, a strong vibe about it. But did, did we still not expect him to play down the middle when he first signed, or did we always know he'd be shifted out? wide because in my head he was always a striker but yeah god no i think that's right maybe there's something in that it'd be interesting to see whether it yeah if marcus brown was fit it would be interesting at the moment wouldn't it to see who's starting because you if you had brown wild shot murphy joseph well if chaos talking about murphy openly being what he wants to sort of build it all around and make work then murphy's got to play and Wildshot's got similar sort of reputation. Um, Have you ever played that four-two-four formation on FIFA? <laughs> more in those terms. Um, right, but yeah. So Joseph's goal takes it to one-all, and then um, a bit of a kind of lucky corner was given to us towards the end. But apparently, Bowden said it came off his sleeve, so everything's fine. Uh, the ball comes in, and then yeah, the narrative was concluded with. Um, Kieran Brown. It looked like a really deep corner as if it was just about to fly out. The wind was all over the shot, but it was knocked back across and then obviously Brown finishes it. Wheels over to the Oxford fans. Uh, when the game started, I thought we had about four fans because there was no, yeah, no one in the behind the goal. The goal. <laughs> and then um, but yeah, they're all in the happily in the covered kind of seating uh, to the side. But that was, yeah, great. Mo- I love, you know, those moments uh, massive, especially for all those travelling fans, some of which probably you know, got to the Arsenal game on Monday to then go to Fleetwood and huge, but massive, as we said, with the run of games, massive, like absolutely massive. For, I think the biggest result for Carl Robinson rather than necessarily for the club in a way. Um, but yeah, it, it just gives us that little bit of positive momentum um, going into a couple of difficult fixtures. Um, I actually thought KR's interview was pretty uh, reasonable after the game I've seen someone's popped some notes on there but I was listening to wasn't at the game actually just earlier today um catching back up on it but all the everything he said was accurate he kind of said we were the worst side and he imagined um Scott Brown's he was imagining what Scott Brown was saying 
on I, I love it when managers though can do this where like they ultimately know they've won so they just sort of lay they lay it out so they can just be like yeah we were crap and yada 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 but you know <laughs> we can walk away and just because they know they won so it's just like it just makes me laugh it, it'll quickly though turn it it's like when we beat cambridge at home we played absolute garbage and won in the last minute with that Goodrum goal. But even some of those dodgy wins get, I've no, I keep referring back to it like this, but if we struggle in the next two games, let's say we don't pick up any points, then you'd start to remember, actually, we were quite lucky to get a result against Fleetwood as well. Do you know what I mean? You have to get a positive performance against, um, against Ipswich to at least get some momentum going forward. Um, Anyway, stuff across League One. So Ips, we'll talk about Ipswich in a second, but their their form has kind of stuttered a wee bit. So maybe that's that's good timing for us. But um, saw Burton Albion got battered at home four 0 by Shrewsbury. Wasn't someone referencing the state of some of the defending in that game? So maybe that could be an interesting one for us. We've had a couple of good results at Burton in recent years, haven't we? Well, they conceded in the first minute, so um. That's always a good sign. It feels like recently we've battered them and then they've done something to the manager like the game after. So I don't quite know what the manager's situation is, but hopefully that's not a repeat of that situation would be good. Yeah. Did we lose to Forest Green this season? No, we drew at home. We did our best. They battered us, though. We did our best, yeah, to lose to them. They had a pink kit on, I remember now. Um, Yeah, anything like... Showing out to anyone there? Wickham lost at home 1-0 to Wednesday. I mean, Wednesday a fly-in, which I can't believe from the game we played there that we should have won. <laughs> oh, but I, just... I think they're something like 16 unbeaten. Derby are 17 unbeaten. Like Plymouth just don't seem to lose ever. But So that, that top three are kind of, you know, pulling away. Derby are chasing hard, but it really is separating out quite early this season. Wow. Charlton have had a turn of form, haven't they, with the management change? Won their last three. And be- beating Barnsley 2-0 on um, Saturday. That's Bar- a great Barnsley result. dropped off, for sure. Yeah. There's a lot of teams like us that there's sort of, there's just no consistency at all. And I guess we're well, mid-table. But... Still surprised to me that Alfie Mays at Cheltenham He's a player. Um, right, so we talked about the games coming up. As we as we just said with Ipswich, um, their form's kind of stuttered a wee bit, albeit they're still unbeaten in their last four. So since they've beaten us, they haven't actually won in the league. They've, they've drawn two all with uh, Pompey away, which isn't a bad result, and then drawn one all with Lincoln, and then one all with Plymouth. So you could argue none of those draws are particularly terrible results. So... Um, They've, we know the depth that they've got in their squad, but actually compared to when we played them last time, we can probably answer a bit more to that this time round. What what are you guys hoping for from this in terms of predictions and what side do you think we're going to put out? Do you think we'll go for it, be a bit more conservative? Wildshot and Murphy starting. I'm more optimistic about us at home against Ipswich. Uh I think we again we'll have all the various options at our disposal. Um, you might see Fleming actually if we say actually we're going to try and push them back a bit, um, put him up against Wes Burns and say right who's quickest? Is he match fit? Is uh, it was he getting any minutes? Uh, it's good. Well, he sort of. I, don't, I guess he came seeming ripe and ready. I don't think he's sort of. He's definitely not coming off the back of an injury or anything. Yeah. Um, so I, I do think there's something about we might need to match them up, which would be, sorry, not match them up. And I think that the two in front of our defence, I think that is an experiment worth worth trying against them. So we're a little bit more compact. Um, but I still think, yeah, I think we, we sort of go for it and see what happens. But I, I don't feel like they're going to sort of take it to us for completely just put us away um but i do i do it does scare me how many different scorers they've got 
that, that's literally team. what I was looking at. Is like that Lada- Chaplin, Ladapo, and Burns have got what twenty-two between them. Then you Marcus Harness with five chips in, um, and a bunch of those Burns and Chaplin got four assists each. You know, they they're just a they're a dangerous team. But we've definitely done it to this type of opposition before, haven't we? Thinking back to kind of Wednesday last season and. Um, Jacket, where are you thinking? Prediction now, go. Match match score. I think we'll draw 1-1. But I mean, just looking at their full squad, it's a ridiculous squad for this level. And they've added to it in January and spent however much on Broadhead from uh, Everton. And, you know, they, they need to get out of this league this season. Otherwise, they've got some financial concerns, I'm sure. Yeah. Didn't we used to draw every game against them nil nil until we stole a one nil at their place one time? But John, where are you at? I, there's no way it's going to be. Well, there's no way we're going to get a clean sheet. Um, I'll be. Yeah, uh, I'll be interested to see if um, Long starts again as well. Uh, some sort of murmurings around Finley and not some. Do you think of Finley will ever come back in with Brown, like with um? the new left-back there, and then where Brown can play centre-back as well. And then Long's playing centre-back better than Finley plays centre-back. So is is he not technically fourth choice now? Over time, I mean, I was never against Kieran Brown, but... Calm down, are you just furious? (laughs) I just dropped I've had enough of Finley. Um, But yeah, I could definitely would have no problems with Brown as playing as our other centre-back. I don't say Long's been... Long's often playing badly, but something around that that's whirring in my mind. I think it's interesting because I thought the the few games prior to Finley coming out the side, he'd look really good. I thought he was brilliant at Sheffield Wednesday, him yeah, along yeah. together because Moore was missing. Yeah. And then he's just, you know, come out, you know, if he was going to come out the side, I thought it would have been earlier on when it looks like he was struggling a bit for kind of finding his feet, so to speak. But it does feel like he has dropped to, you know, fourth choice as you say James and he's got a long contract if we're bumming him down at fourth choice already six months into it and it's been like 10 years in the making to get him <laughs> to the club so yeah. but, it, but it's which are sort of like big powerful striker and then quicker things around him. so you do want someone who can go up against the dapo and that's what Finney's good at so yeah so, I, I think I'd like to think a draw would be doable but definitely not no, definitely not nil-nil. They're away from... They've only won one of the last five. They're in total 1-7, drawn four, lost two. Um, Yeah, I'm going to go for a win. 2-1. I'm feeling positive. Then we get feedback that we're too negative, so I'm going to be positive from here on in. <laughs> a bit 9-0 against Wickham. 53 um, minutes in, we've been positive. <laughs> Wickham are a weird one, aren't they? I think we said last week, um, when you look at the table, when we were really struggling, when we played them earlier on in the season, they beat us 1-0. They were kind of below us, weren't they? They were really struggling. Kind of forgot that they beat us earlier in the season. It made me sad when I remembered that. Um, But yeah, they're right kind of up there. Um, What, two points off Barnsley, who are in sixth? Um, So they've had a good good run of it, albeit they're quite patchy with their form. but yeah, they they look to be scoring the graphic we're looking at. They seem to be scoring a lot of first half goals, which is um interesting. Which suggests if we can kind of take the sting out of them, that that might be a way a way through. I just feel a bit depressed about the thought of having to play, especially away, and the fireworks and a car park booking. I know they throw that stuff out now deliberately to sort of wind people up <laughs> well the last they've won one two three four five of their last nine and then they've uh drawn one in there as well but they the the only game the games where they haven't won they've only, they've lost one nil to wednesday lost one nil to plymouth both of those are respectful they drew nil nil to lincoln and then the other defeat they lost one nil to cheltenham so when they do lose they don't lose by big margins it's all a goal in it so you know no matter what happens it's win- it's not going to be an easy game they're not scoring an awful lot relative to other teams 33 goals is not 
No. There's not that much. Um, admittedly, Bolton are 33 and Derby are 36, but yeah. there are other teams who are in the 40s. So, I mean, it's, yeah, that just suggests the classic Wickham one millingers. They did beat um, Peterborough away, didn't they? 3 0 game before last, before they played Wednesday. So, either way, they've got um, McCleary, who seems to still want to prove that. Oxford did bad by not signing him and always runs to our fans and sick, you know, whatever he does. Uh, they'll have fireworks primed, so we need to make sure they don't get set off. Mehmeti's got eight goals for them. Um, Brother of. <laughs> and I don't know. I don't know. I don't, I don't know. That's it's just Oxford to say. legend. Yeah, I don't know. And Vokes is, um, got a goal the other day, didn't he? I always forget they've got Sam Vokes. I feel like I've gone back in time to old days of Burnley's first promotion. But. Um, <clears throat> yeah, predictions for that one then. I'm going to go with 1-1. Oxford to score first and Wickham to score annoying equaliser. So that would mean we get four points from those two games and I'd be absolutely buzzing with that. Part of me thinks there is a win out of coming in one of those oh, two yes. games. There you go, even more positivity. But it would have to be we need to score. I mean, sounds like a cliche every single time you say it, but we need to score earlier, early on, to get through a game like a Wickham, for sure. But I don't want to pick Wickham's when we're going to win because that seems that seems like an insane thing to do. But I just, yeah, I feel like there's a win in Is, there. Isn't the traditional Wickham performance that we batter them, play really well, and then they score and then we fall apart? No, it's the, it's the we we goes. played we get sucked in and play dreadfully and then they beat us and then we don't have an answer. That was yeah. certainly a way that a way last season was definitely that. If so, yeah, Holmes but maybe different. Gone, Jack. Finish on a high or a low or just do it softly. It's just Wickham away, isn't it? It's just there's so much kind of nonsense around it, and Ainsworth will big it up as the. M forty Derby or whatever, and I feel like none of because there's a bit of apathy around the club anyway. I feel like our sports are just not even going to give a toss even more about the yeah. away game. So whether Ainsworth says anything, we're all going to be like, we just don't care. Um, <laughs> but, but 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 we'll still be irritated. I think um, we will. That's I I don't I don't think we'll lose that. I think we'll take another point. And to be honest, given where we're sat, I'd take which sounds horrendous from our predictions at the start of the season, but I'd take two points from the next two games and then move on and look. You've then got to get three at Burton. Yeah, you definitely got to beat Burton, don't you? Yeah, it's, it's going to be interesting. Going to be we're, interesting. we're all going to that, so obviously we're going to win because that's what happens. Like Sheffield Wednesday. When is Burton's the 28th? Yeah. yeah. God, that's coming around quickly, isn't it? Um, and then, yeah, after Burton, it's then Barnsley the following Tuesday and then Shrewsbury at home. So some winner, but, you know, if, we, if we're serious about, we, we said, didn't we, on the last pod, if we're serious about things, then end of Jan, early Feb, we've got to be getting the points tally into a reasonable spot. Yeah, where, we, what do we, we sit eight points off the playoffs now. Where do you think, how many points off the playoffs do we need to be Come middle of February to to have false hope. Five or six? No, yeah, no more than six. I'd say. Yeah, and then you've got to go on a mazy run. It's mo- it's not so much just the teams in the playoffs, is it? It's the teams that are around you that are also in the same place that want to push in. Um, whether that's kind of again your Wickham's, uh, Charlton might go on a good run. Peterborough outside it at the moment. So, you know, yeah, you've got Pom- Pompey as far down as 15th. You've got two or three games in hand on people around them. They'll have a new manager soon. So, I think I, I, I honestly think that sixth place will be someone who's not in it yet. There'll be someone who goes on a run and steals it. Yeah. Um, you just start to run out of games after yeah. this next five suite where we're sort of happy with, let's say, eight. Then. Yeah. So then you start to run out of games. Right. Um, I reckon we'll be back for a pod after the Wickham game. 
before Burton is how I feel. Because the there'll be stadium news as well. Yeah, exactly. I, I mean, I didn't remember that, but... <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Jack. Uh, right, just over an hour, slightly. I think we've done all right there. But um, as always, thanks for listening and we'll catch you on the next one. Mm-hmm.